Welcome to Boardwalk Sports Talk, the podcast by the Jersey sports fan for the Jersey sports fan. Because in New Jersey, we know you don't like us. And guess what? We don't like you either. Good afternoon, Boardwalk Sports Talk. On this dog day of summer, we have a hound dog in the truest sense of the word, Paul Mulcahy. Paul, welcome to Boardwalk Sports Talk. Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm really excited. I've heard a couple already, so I heard quasis, but I'm really, I'm really excited to, to be on. I know the fans are going to love hearing this story, too. So let's start with that. Let's start with your story and hoops. How'd you, how'd you get started in the game? Yeah, um, so I got started, I mean, really, really young. I was involved in all sports, but basketball is obviously my favorite. But I've been playing since I was like three or four years old and just grew up in an athletic family and uh, just really gravitated towards basketball by like sixth or seventh grade and just stuck with that. And you said you have an athletic family. Do you come from a tall family? Are your parents tall? Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was small uh, growing up. I was pretty small. Um, but my mom, my mom's really tall. I get all my height from my mom. Uh, she's about six foot. And then I have one brother who's like six, three, six, four. And then I have another really young brother who's like six, three. So he'll, he'll be really tall, but yeah, my family's pretty tall. That's cool. It's always interesting when with point guards in particular combo guards, based on how quickly you grew is correlated with how good a dribbler you are. Right. So a lot of times guys will develop their dribbling when they're shorter and then they have late growth spurts and they kind of take that skill with them. So maybe was that like part of your progression too, or. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was always, um, a point guard my whole life. Um, I was, when I first started playing, I was the smallest kid, but I always played up, um, in AAU and, and, um, travel and just playing, um, older guys. I always played up. So I was always the smallest on the court. Um, and that's kind of where I, I got my dribbling from, I think. That's cool. So growing up in Bayonne, you're at a key crossing there into New York near the Bayonne Bridge and really just a hop, skip and the jump from New York City. And New York is really interesting. It's to me, it's like the true egalitarian playground in basketball. Like you can show up to any park in New York and ball. It doesn't matter what you look like or who you are, where you come from. If you can ball, you're going to be accepted and like welcomed on that court. So just curious, growing up in that region, did that kind of color the way that you develop in hoops did you ever go into new york to, to hoop um and where'd you get sort of this gritty blue collar paul mulcahy persona from uh, was it a bayonne born thing uh yeah i mean growing up i played in bayonne a lot but my my like primary team was the jersey boys club um and that's kind of like where I got put to the test a lot at a young age. And, and those were some of like the hardest workouts, um, small gym. It was hot, uh, really competitive, but that's kind of where I grew up playing indoors. Um, and since I was little, uh, I mean, my dad got us like these N1, uh, kind of mixtape, like DVRs or whatever they were called. Um, and I used to watch those at night with like my brothers and stuff. Um, so that's kind of where I learned the game that way. But just like everyone always says, Bayonne is a, is a real blue-collar town. Um, Chuck Webner, you might know who that is. He's from Bayonne. Um, but, yeah, it, I mean, it's a, it, a lot of tough people, um, a lot of hardworking people. So I think I, I get that from my mom and my dad. Um, yeah, so. 
That's awesome. That's something we value so much in the state, you know, like if you're a, a blue collar, like lunch pail type, we just root for you like crazy. And, and that that's definitely extended to you. Um, and it's interesting you brought up uh, N1 mixtapes because you play the game under such control. When I look at you, I don't think of like Skip to My Lou or Sebast like Sebastian Telfair. I don't think of that at all. But it's interesting that you got into the game that way. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, growing up, I, I like would over dribble. Like when I would play, I, I, all I wanted to do was dribble. Um, and I kind of, I didn't grow out of that until like my eighth grade um, when I went out to play for Mergensina, who was my high school coach. Um, but he kind of taught me the game in a different way. So, I mean, I still have some some stuff in my bag that I really haven't been able to bring out in a while, but uh, it's in there, so. Oh, man, now I'm pumped. <laughs> now I'm pumped for the season. Yeah. So, like, ideal of St. Bernard's, you were averaging a triple-double, which is, like, ridiculous. It's insane. I mean, when you think about guys that have averaged triple-doubles, I mean, the NBA, it's like Oscar Robertson, uh, Jason Kidd had a lot of triple-doubles, LeBron James, of course. So, it's just versatility, really, on the court. You can score at all three levels. You can pass. You can rebound. Um, and that's carried through your entire career. So, coming out of Gil St. Bernard's with the kind of um, reputation you had built for yourself, what was that recruitment like? And, and Ultimately, why did you choose Rutgers? Um, well, I, I chose Rutgers, and I tell people this all the time, uh, for the people that are there. Um, obviously, it being close is a nice perk, and having, like, being able to go back and forth and having my family there, um, I'm really starting to see the benefits of that uh, as I get older. Um, but I, I picked it because of the people, and I think even if, if, if you took Rutgers, the community, and every single person that's there – and put it in Arizona, I think I still would have went there. Um, and and that, that's the biggest reason why I chose Rutgers. And I, I chose it because um, it was some, in some ways a, a challenge uh, for myself. Um, I'm going to challenge myself. Um, I want to win. Um, and, and while I was getting recruited, um, obviously they weren't winning as much, but like the fans were always still there and engaged and the people still cared about it. And I, I think that said a lot about kind of the, the, the people, um, the community, the alumni base. Um, so that's something that I really like, cause it's easy for people to be in the stands when people are winning, but um, there were still people in the stands when, when things weren't going too well. So I thought that was really cool. Oh man, we love this team. We love Rutgers basketball in the state. There's just no doubt about it. And we feel like we as fans can really affect the game in the rack, which is why we're such animals out there. <laughs> At 2019, going to, so let's let's go back to 2019 for a second. You exploded onto the scene in 2019, and we're a big reason, 2019, 2020, we're a big reason why we made the tournament. I say we made the tournament, we would have made it, right? Um, so you, you helped kind of break that streak unofficially that year. Um, and you played a pivotal role. What was that season like? Um, what was the rack like? What was the, the ascent like? Was that enjoyable? Any, any specific moments? Yeah, I mean, uh, my freshman year was great. It was, it was a learning experience for me. Um, I, I had a great senior class, uh, Joey Down, Shaq Carter, a quasi, um, a really, really great senior class. Um, the rack was nuts. I think we went like 17 and one at home. Um, I, the fans were insane, definitely won us like three or four games, kept us in games. Um, I think the scene hall game at home was obviously like a, a really big one. 
Um, let me see. Oh, beating Maryland. Beating Maryland was really – that was a big game because if they would have won, they would have won the Big Ten on our court. So um, those are two really big really big games uh, for my freshman year. But, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm kind of looking forward to this year. Um, last year was tough with no fans. And I think people actually are, are like, expecting things from us now. And I think that's going to bring an even new level um, of excitement to it. So, yeah. No doubt. Everybody's hankering to get back at the rack, especially with a team that, at times last year, it looked like we could win the national championship. So um, there's, I mean, any time that you have that underlying potential, there's always going to be juice and excitement. So you're going to be able to feel it, probably yeah. cut it with a knife when you go to the rack for the first time. <laughs> I hope I'm on pump for it. I really am. As, if you can't tell. Uh, so your sophomore <laughs> season, uh, you made an even bigger impact and you came into the year as a legitimate scoring threat, but you really added some range um, to, to your game. And I think that you had range prior, but you were, you were shooting at a very high percentage this year. It's a very, and you made huge shots. So is that, and then also you showed the low post moves, you built that part of your game even more. And honestly, with that repertoire, you're, you're looking more and more like this area is Jason Kidd to me. You really are, you're, with your ability to rebound, which not a lot of guards can do like you can. The fact you don't make a lot of mistakes and you can score from all three levels, including on the block. On the block. So is that somebody you're trying to model your game after at all? Somebody you, you, you know, you, you looked up to in the past or is that, is there somebody else perhaps that, that you So uh, Yeah. It's funny that you said that because um, when I was growing up, like, like, the first kind of taste of like real basketball that I got was, was watching the 2008 Olympic team. Um, uh, and Jason Kidd was on that team and he was probably my favorite player. And like, I would watch their games and then I'll go outside and like literally just try to make the same exact plays as them. Um, and I always like, I always knew Jason, like Jason Kidd as a point guard, but I didn't realize how big he was. And then I looked into it and watched his cow highlights and stuff like that. Um, and he was no joke and coming out of high school and he's no joke, but, um, yeah, I mean, I've always kind of tried to be as versatile as possible. Um, but I'm, 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 it's happy to hear that, like, that you see that. Um, yeah, I mean, last year I kind of just did whatever, like needed to be done, uh, for us to win as many games as possible. So if I had to be in the corner and kind of spread the floor, um, I'll shoot threes, um, rebound. I mean, I'm excited this year. Um, hopefully playing the one, I'll have an even smaller guy trying to guard me. So I think I'll be able to rebound even more rather than going up against like fours and fives. Um, so I, I, I'm excited about that. Um, and just, yeah, I think we got a, a lot of threats, a lot of scoring threats that I can get the ball to and, and uh, do well with, so. Oh yeah, where you you know it's like you're the driver in the seat of a Ferrari with this offense and these some of these talent some of this talent, which is actually like Jason Kidd when he first came to the Nets. This is kind of a cool piece of history you might not be aware of, but Seton Hall played a big part in the Nets ascendancy in the early 2000s. Eddie Griffin came out of Seton Hall, was drafted by the Nets originally, but then the Nets flipped his pick to the Rockets um, for Richard Jefferson and uh, Jason Collins, who wound up being cores of that team that went to the two, uh, two finals. 
and and that era, like oh, to two thousand one, Jason Kidd era. That's who I think of. When I think of you, like when he was like spry, he had explosiveness in his. Like he was, he could dunk back then. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it, it was. Yeah, that is definitely your game. And if you can be, yeah, I mean, if you can be like him, continue to develop, like him, you have a very very long career in this game. So, yeah, that's that's the goal. That's the goal. So, so uh, twenty twenty, we officially make the tournament 2020 2021 um and you know thank you for that thank you for ending that streak and it's not only you but everybody i mean i know it wasn't easy uh especially during covid um because you had to draw sort of like the fire and the passion from within yourself sometimes or you didn't have the fans uh, to will you forward uh, but it meant a lot to everybody so thank you for that what was the season like like for you overall and was there a moment that stuck out during that journey for you yeah. Um, well, I appreciate it. Um, I mean, that that's kind of that was a big reason why obviously I came here uh, just because I, I wanted to have alumni and people that care about the school to, to have that feeling and um, get to be a part of that and, and going forward to actually get to be a part of it and be there um, is, is another goal. But yeah, last year was uh, I mean, last year was tough. It was tough on everybody in the whole world um COVID obviously affected a lot of people in different ways um but I mean being around the same people every day for for months and getting tested every day takes a toll so the fact that we were able to really like stay together and um even though like we had our we had our losing streaks and we had our winning streaks but when when it mattered we came together and uh, got the job done to a degree um but yeah, it's definitely a season I'm never gonna forget. Um, just a lot of time together, a lot of sacrifice, uh, not much of a social life. Um, just just a lot of sacrifices. But uh, we made it to the tournament. We won a game. Uh, obviously, we, we would have liked to win more games. But uh, yeah, it's a season I'm not gonna forget. Uh, a season to grow from, learn from. Um, but something that the most memorable thing I'll probably take from it. It has to, I guess it has to be Clemson, but for me, it, the most memorable thing will probably be losing to Houston. That's probably something that I'm going to remember the most um, for what it is. So, and, and use that kind of as motivation for the rest of my life, probably. So. That's very Michael Jordan-esque of you. You, you relish the loss to motivate yourself and that makes a lot of sense that's what competitors do man they manufacture motivation that way it's interesting you said too and you know we got the job done to an extent it sounds like you thought that this team could do more like a lot of us thought especially up 10 against houston i felt like if one of those dunks goes in the game's over <laughs> you know? uh yeah yeah i uh i don't put on any of the dunks to be honest uh I, there's not exactly one play but up 10, 6, 11 left. Um, is that what it was, 6, 11? Wow, the fact that you yeah. know that is – that means you're really – it's really yeah. in your head. Yeah. No, I, but, I mean, yeah. I, and, yeah. Yeah, they went to the Final Four. It's all good. You got to learn from it. Um, we were the better team, there's no doubt. But, yeah, you guys played your asses off. I mean, you can't – sometimes the ball just bounces a weird way. Right? We're still very proud of it, and then we did that that season. Yeah. So on, on that note, um, 
you know, just the the game that you played there, the game that you played, the games you played down the stretch. I think a lot of a lot of guys would say, I, I joke that you literally jump into a wood chipper to save a ball. <laughs> I mean, that's just like seems to be like personality. You you sacrifice the body. We love that about you as a player. Um, this year, your face committed some fouls against elbows, which was really interesting. Um, that's like the old Doug Christie thing, you know, face, face how you face out foul elbow. Um, and you had, you had the, the mask for a while. What was it like playing with that? Is that weird? Like, do you lose depth perception? Is, is there any? Yeah, uh, it, it's not ideal. Hopefully, I never have to do it again. Um, I mean, they did, they did, they take care of me. So they got me the best one that they could. Um, I guess I was wearing like a kickboxing mask though, so I had no peripheral. Um, and it was kind of weird, but I mean, yeah, it happens. Um, I mean, I don't do it on purpose. A lot of people might say different and it's like flopping, but um, I kind of just, I try to do what it takes, like anything that we can win, anything to do that we can win. Um, and that's what it is. That's what it is. But uh, yeah, I mean, I took a beating last year physically. Uh, but again, everybody did. Mine just seemed to be more visual and you could see it and my finger. And yeah. So I'm surprised because both, you know, you and Jacob Young played such intense defense. JY was like a gnat, like in people's jock. And you, you know, you were similar, but you also would, you know, you thrust yourself at the ball, like better than almost anybody on the team. And that's why you're a great rebounder. So that's, I think that's what makes, and you box out. That, that's what it seems to really kind of cheese people off. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if I don't get the rebound, but I could help somebody else on our team get a rebound, I'll do it. Um, yeah. 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 But JY, JY was the best. JY. Yeah. JY was the best. So you had that, that face mask. What about your headband? That's like a calling card for you. Do you have a lucky headband that you wear? Do you like think about what kind of headband you're going to wear before a game? Anything like that goes into the, the apparel? Uh, I mean, in high school, I kind of had one that I, I stuck with. It was like a real thick uh, white one. It had like the NBA logo that I would just put in the back or I'd flip over. Um, so that was my like lucky one in high school. But uh, I mean, we got, we have a, we have a bunch of gear um, at Rutgers. So like my freshman year, I was able to usually just give out whatever headband I played in. I would just give it to a little kid or something. Um, but last year it was just kind of, however I'm feeling, I just throw it on. Uh, I usually try to wear white if I can. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at with that. That's cool. Yeah. So if we start seeing different colors, it's, it's like maybe a mood ring type thing going on. It, yeah. <laughs> I might start thinking about that. <laughs> Yeah, you got to get some cadence going there. So this is a question I know everybody's going to be really interested in hearing. It's a provocative question, but I got to ask it. So after that great run that lost to Houston we talked about before, you went on Twitter and said, all that for that? Um, And fans have spent the last six months trying to decipher what that means. So I'm just going to ask, can you give us a hint on that one? Yeah, I mean, I usually stay off social media. But uh, I was, I mean, it was more so just about the use of the game um, and the way we went out just didn't sit right with me because um, there was a lot of sacrifice the whole year from from everybody. Um, and not that we lost, just the way that we lost um, didn't sit right and still doesn't sit right um, with me. But, um, yeah, I'm just going to use that as motivation. So it was just – 
that whole season to go out like that just kind of hurt. So, yeah. I hear you, man. You guys ripped, I mean, you put your guts out and you left them all on the floor. So I just ripped their heads off next year. It'll be, uh, you know, par for the course. It'll be okay. <laughs> but yeah, I hear you. I hear you on that. So on 2021, 2022, how good can this team be uh, based on what you've seen thus far? And, and is there an opponent you're looking forward to playing uh, this coming year? Yeah, I mean, we could be as good as we want to be um, and as good as our habits are. Um, I mean, we got – we're a really deep team. Um, we have more experience than we've had in the past. Um, we've got guys that have been around. we got hungry guys uh, that may have not gotten too much time last year but are really good basketball players and are hungry. So – I mean, we'll, we'll be as good as, as we want to be and as good as our habits are. Um, and I want to play a big role um, in that and, and, and lead um, the program. So, yeah, but uh, any teams now, I'm just looking forward to playing everybody. Um, no game is bigger than the other. Uh, I'm big on, like, one day at a time, one game, one game at a time. Um, Except Seton Hall, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, that, that be so, they get so mad when you win, those fans. They get so mad. <laughs> you know, my uh, my grandpa went to Scene Hall, so he, he roots for me, but he'll wear a Scene Hall shirt new in it. But uh, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's, that, that, that was a fun game my freshman year and watching in the past. Obviously, I wish we could have played it last year. That would have been cool. Um, but yeah, I think we're playing at the Rock this year, which would be cool. Hopefully, they open the whole thing up so we can get more fans in there. Yeah. I think they will, and we're going to show up hard. Rutgers fans, yeah, be it's there. a smart business decision, but we'll see what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. So, last couple of questions here. You started the Grateful Four Foundation. I know you're a real spiritual guy, and you, and you try to give back to your community and uh, and so forth. And it's really amazing thing that you that you did there. Um, How's that process been? How's it going lately? Has COVID accelerated or, or paused it or anything like that? Yeah, so it's got it's gotten great feedback, um, and a lot of people are willing to help and have helped. Um, during COVID, it was really tough because um, it's just a small group of uh, like my team is just a small group of us, but uh, we were able to do a lot of stuff uh, within the New Brunswick community, uh, whether it be food clothes stuff like that just like small stuff but um like you know help help somebody make somebody's day or whatever um but because of the new nli rules um that's kind of where my focus is with that um kind of trying to do different things now where we can raise money uh to help people from a, a monetary standpoint and september 1st uh is kind of like another revamp of the grateful four we're gonna kind of we have we'll have our our goals for each month and we'll have different events set up and, and the NLI uh, stuff allows us to do a lot more and, and help people in a lot of different ways. And that, that's kind of what I'm excited about. So that that's where my focus is, but it's just trying to uh, use gratitude as, as a connecting device with people from all different backgrounds and, and keep it genuine and, and uh, just helps make somebody's day and then they'll make somebody's day and it, it's a chain reaction. So. That, that's that's a little bit what it is. 
I totally agree. I admire you for that very much. You know, I, I've always been someone who believes that if you do something for somebody else with absolutely no expectation of uh, reciprocation or return, but you do it because, you know, you want to and it's the right thing that it's fulfilling not only to that person, but to you too. And it's like infectious. It's, it's amazing. And if we all were like that, amazing how much. Yeah. Nice and yeah. And gratitude is an emotion um, that everybody can feel or everyone can be a part of. It doesn't, it doesn't just belong to this type of person or this type of person, this type of person. So kind of in a world where everybody is kind of separated and doing their own thing, it's a way to bring people together. So I think that's, that's what's cool behind it too. That's very true. And maybe something you thought of, but if you haven't, maybe you think, check it out is the um, dance marathon every year that Rutgers does, which is a big thing in the Greek community. I was involved with that. Um, mm -hmm. That's amazing to, to just yeah. go there and see that their, their, their kind of story and, and be a part of that process. Maybe that's something that, that fits the mission. I don't know, but that's pretty cool. It happens right on campus. I heard, I heard of it um, and I'd seen pictures of it, but my freshman year got canceled because COVID and then last year mm -hmm. I was uh, I don't think, um, but looking forward, yeah, that would be a really cool thing to do because I heard it, it does really well and a lot of people get involved, so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, well, this has been fantastic. Just to wrap us up here, Paul, anything else you want to say to Jerseyans, to the fans, to the alums? Um, yeah, yeah, I just want to say thank you. Obviously, not having fans last year was different, but we always kind of felt your your love and your your passion behind us and we saw it in Indianapolis and we felt it on social media and things like that so we're working hard we got a good group of guys that are really working hard and we have big goals and we don't want to settle for anything less than that but uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna work our butts off I mean I personally I love New Jersey love the people and yeah I I just want to say thank you, uh, and, and I'm excited for a really big year uh, for myself and for the team. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, you've been a high-character guy. You represent this great state in the way that we all hope other athletes will represent it, too. So thank you, and uh, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you on the court with the rest of the team. Thank you.